Greetings, nerds. This is Seema Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Falk. How are you doing tonight, Will? I'm doing very, very well, Sarah. How are you doing? Doing great. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We're here at the end of another month. The year's like over. We're on the back half of the year now. Yeah, it's, it's gone really quickly. I don't know where 2018 went. Yeah, yeah. It has been a very, very, very fast time. But, but I, it, I feel like April hit, and then next thing I know, it's July, and I'm like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's funny. Uh, you know, when we started the summer, we were we were worried that we uh, we wouldn't have lots of things to talk about. But uh, but we definitely got a – we definitely had a gem of a show this summer that we'll, we'll talk about here shortly. Yeah, that was Dagger. a great intro to something we'll talk about at the end of the show, Will. I know, just trying to let people know, you know, <laughs> stick around, stick around. Oh, you know, well. we got some good, the good stuff's always on the back end. Actually, it's always, it's all throughout, so we, we, we appreciate you listening. Are you done? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that was, but that was Will, everybody. Will just went on. He'll be uh, with us all night. Yeah, I just went on a weird tangent. I haven't done one in a while, so I just forgot to do it tonight. <laughs> you know, it was it was really nice last week to have um, the series regulars yeah. here and talking with us about Comic Con. But I did notice that we missed a trailer and mm-hmm. a few bits of news that came out during Comic Con. Yep. So I I, I know I had a very um, interesting reaction to the Teen Titans trailer, but what were your thoughts about it? So, I, when it first dropped, I think, if I recall, you sent, sent me a DM with a very positive reaction, if I recall. Um, mm-hmm. And I had a, actually had a very positive reaction to it as well. I know a, there's been a lot of hate on the trailer since it, it first dropped. I think it's become the vogue thing to to hate on the Teen Titans trailer, uh, but I really actually I I, I enjoyed it uh, at first, and I, and I still I watched it again today, and I'm still looking forward to this series. Uh, I'm willing mm-hmm. to give it give it a, a fair chance to you know see if it's you know if it's as good or as bad as people think it may or may not be. Right. I I actually am I'm surprised you, to hear you say that there was a lot of hate out there. Um, I haven't seen too much. I know that there is some, some hate going on um, about one aspect of it. Yeah. But overall, I've seen a lot of um, YouTube reactions on it that seem fairly positive about it. It's It's just skepticism at this point where it's a DC property that's not on the CW. Mm-hmm. So how how do we know that they're not going to ha- manage a way to fuck it up? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah well, you yeah. know. How do we know? <laughs> we don't know, but yeah, but I think you know, subsequent to the the trailer, uh, there seems to be more buzz or more conversations about Starfire than and the truly the the treatment of the actress uh, who has who's portraying Starfire, and it's been, I, I, you know, the ugly, we, we, we see this, we've seen this pop up a lot lately, you know, case in point, the Star Wars universe with Kelly Tran, and even Daisy Ridley, 
uh, you know, the, the toxic, the toxic fandom and toxic fanboy in particular and where we're getting a lot of sexist and racist, you know, comments coming out, uh, about uh, attacking the actress instead of, okay, if you have issues with the costume or how things look, that, that's fair. Am I a fan of the costume for Starfire? No, I'm not. But, you know, to take it to the next level where you're actually attacking the the actress or the production team or, or whoever personally because, you know, you don't like the way the character has been introduced or, you know, how they have how they costumed the character or whatever. That's just taking it to another level. That's just, you know, it gives, it gives fandom, it gives geeks nerds, whatever, the bad name and, and, and it makes it you know, not a, not inclusive of everyone. Right. I feel like it gives the purists a bad name. Yeah. Like the people who want the screen to match exactly what they saw in the book and right. just this idea that a direct translation of this material is even possible. Um, because I always go back to our argument, two separate mediums. There's things you can translate and there's just things that you can't. And mm-hmm. it's hard. Um, I'm, I'm like, I retract that. It's not that it's hard. It's just interesting to see as we do increase repre- representation on screen that because these properties are coming up more now than ever, that there are going to be casting choices made where it's that it's that people want to see more faces, different kinds of faces on mm-hmm. screen. And yeah. we deserve that. And if they won the part, then they should play it. There's a reason, hopefully, why they're they're going to play that part versus anybody else who maybe look more like the comic book um, character. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and if you want an orange Starfire, then, you know, you can cast Donald Trump. But, you know, he's not going to come out here and do that. So, anyway. I see right there I do not want an orange <laughs> That's an image that's not going to go away anytime soon. Sorry, so, yeah. thank you, Will. <laughs> Just trying and, to light it up a bit, yeah. But. Yeah, it's, you know, I... It's nothing that we also haven't seen before, considering the backlash that came out when they cast Zendaya mm-hmm. as MJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then when they cast Candace as Iris West, like, yeah. this always seems to happen. And then the property comes out and suddenly nobody's talking about that. Everybody's talking about the story and if it worked or if it didn't work. They mm-hmm. don't care about the small little details suddenly. Yeah, yeah. In, in any case, I mean, you'll still have like the the real the, the extreme extremes on both sides. I mean, I, I, you know, so you, you brought up Candace Patton and uh, and the Flash, and, and and you know, I see, you know, you see a lot of, you still see, uh, uh, in particular, you know, the Snowberry West Island camp still fighting it out and stuff. And it, it like you said, it, it gives the purists the bad name because it could be that. If it's really, you know, there's there's no like ulterior motive behind their wish of seeing that their favorite show or book, comic book, being adapted. But you know, but you do get those extremist elements that just give everybody a bad name. So, right, right. I mean, and it's not a direct 
It's it's a similar situation with between um, Elicity versus Lolliver yep. and that whole idea that this relationship on screen, but it doesn't because the character actors have no chemistry right. versus this relationship that yep. has plenty of chemistry. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yeah. it's, it, it's just the crazy world that we've kind of created the more we watch these shows and try to bring these characters to life that suddenly casting and wardrobe choice um, choices are yeah. are what we cling to. Yeah. yeah. I don't it, know. Yeah. Speaking of casting and, and wardrobe choices and those kind of things, I know, you know, as far as the trailer itself, I know we, I knew we put down a, a, another path, but, Getting back to the trailer itself, one of the things I did like about it, and some of the some of the questions that have that have come up, is whether or not this is Dick Grayson versus Jason Todd, uh, just mm-hmm. based off of uh, whether you know, based off quite frankly the very direct quote from Robin and Fuck Batman. <laughs> yeah. Some people were trying to parse it and figure out. Wait a minute, that doesn't. Seems more of a Jason Todd kind of thing to say than than Dick Grayson. So we were, you know, there's I've seen some of those discussions going on. Uh, I, I like the, the the gritty nature of it. I think it was very important for them to come out of the gate to show that this is not this version of, of Titans is not your your kid friendly Teen Titans Go or even other adaptations of Titans. That we've had in recent memory, so I give them kudos for being very clear that this is this we're we're going in a different direction here. Yeah, I the more I watch the trailer, and I've seen it now a few times, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> even if it's Dick Grayson or if it's um, what's the alternative? I forget. Uh, Jason Todd. Jason Todd. Which I hope that I, I'm going to be curious to see if they kind of do that thing where they take bits of each story and meld it to mm-hmm. create this this version of this character. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is he's really hot. So <laughs> I am thrilled about that, to have a yeah. hot Robin right now. I'm very <laughs> pleased with that. Very. Yeah. But, is, Sarah's is getting to the bottom line. He's, he's, yeah, he's. yeah. Let's just... <laughs> Go to my superficial notes right now. <laughs> but I don't it, – it's interesting because you get that great setup with him and who he is and who the differences between this version versus versions that we're familiar with. And then towards the end of the trailer, the more he's interacting with Raven, mm-hmm. the more she brings out this kind of like – the bad angst, I'll put it that that yeah. more like teenage. I almost want to say suicide squad, mm. but like towards the end, I really got a a there was a note of suicide in that last shot with her, and I'm just like, oh, I don't know, I don't know, yeah. Yeah. and so I'm worried that even though I think that they have pulled together probably a really good group of people and that everything's going to go in their favor. I'm worried that they may have too many characters to take care of. Yeah. You know, uh, they may have stretched themselves a bit too thin on really 
developing each character because we hardly saw any of Beast Boy. Right. We saw we saw very few she- scenes with Hawk and Dove. I still mm-hmm. know nothing about them, just that they look really cool. Yeah. But they focus mainly on Raven and Dick and um uh, just a few scenes of Starfire to be like, hey guys, you remember those behind the scenes shots? Yeah, well, this is just full CGI, so mm-hmm. chill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm just, I'm, it's gonna be interesting to see really if they did put maybe one too many characters in this show and the writing may not be as strong because we, we're gonna talk about it later tonight, Cloak. Cloak and Dagger, you have two characters. Very well balanced season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're they're not trying to make like five or six separate storylines. No. It's not enough time. There's not enough time. Yeah. And you're right. And when I understand uh with this Titan series, they're gonna do the Netflix approach where they're gonna drop everything at once. So How many episodes? Uh thirteen if I recall. Ooh, lucky number 13. Yeah, if I recall, I think it's 13. Uh, they are going to do, as I said, the Netflix approach where they're just going to drop them all whenever it's uh, release date, which is, was it like October 2nd or end of September? I can't remember right. I don't know. Yeah. I was too distracted by Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I forgot to, I forgot to put that in the show notes, but, uh, I, I do know it's, uh, it is, Going to be in the, I think early fall, I think right, right, I think before the rest of the uh, DC universe, well, let me say the CW universe, um, shows, Arrowverse shows come back. So, uh, I think they'll have a, a good, you know, period to, um, well, that's good. I yeah. mean, that's smart. You don't want to yeah. drop it right when Arrowverse comes back because then competition. Jeez. Right. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to care. Okay. We already have allegiances elsewhere. Thank you very much. Yeah, exactly. They'll kind of last their own universe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, you know, this, I, I've seen the pricing. You know, you can do the, you can do it the week, I think monthly, or you can do the annual. I think the monthly is like $7.99. I think the annual is like, 80 bucks or something like that. So, I mean, the, the DC Universe app, I guess they're going to have some films on it, classics like Superman, and, uh, you can have access to their, to their library as far as comics. So, you know, it looks like it's, you know, for a hardcore DC fan, I think it, it, it looks, it, it looks worth it. Um, I'll probably, yeah, yeah I mean, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll subscribe. You know, do the, I'm not gonna do the annual thing, I'll probably just do the monthly thing and just try to, you know, see if it's, see if it's worth it. And, you know, to have another properties coming on there as far as Swamp Thing, I think it's going in production soon. Them Justice, I think was another trailer that they dropped during Comic Con. Uh, that's, that's animated, that's going to be on platform, so, you know, they are, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, you know, there's gonna be, there's gonna be several offerings that I think that'll make it worthwhile. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to do the monthly, and then I'm going to drop it at the end after I've binged it. Yep. <laughs> I'll probably do the same. <laughs> Truth be told. <laughs> or, like, after I'm like, yeah, this is not what I wanted at all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? 
Oh, man, especially if you're doing the Netflix thing, then you can guarantee that it's going to fall apart in that third act. You know, those last mm-hmm. few episodes where you're just like, isn't this show over yet? <laughs> You'll do a Sarah Belmont. I'll just want to fast forward through a couple episodes. I'll just skip an episode. <laughs> okay, I've done that on the last two seasons of the Netflix shows. And, you know, a girl's got to do what she's got to do. Yep. <laughs> Paying attention to the good parts, I swear. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Well, in other news, James Gunn is inspired from Guardians of Galaxy. Yeah. I, I I remember seeing this like start, start percolate, right? I guess that Friday of the morning at Comic Con. And, uh, I, uh, I I know it was, uh, Twitter group I was a part of, and someone had flashed the uh, screenshots of the uh, the tweets, and uh, and as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Oh, this is not going to be good." And you know, short later in the day, Disney fired him, or, and he didn't contest it. And I know he deactivated his account for a bit, and then he, I think prior to doing that, he tweeted out some apologies and tried to explain himself. And yeah, it it. What are, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I've listened to a lot of thoughts lately about yeah. it, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have in this context. I mean, lately, over this last year, we've, I think the public is generally used to the scandal around firing directors from large properties like mm. MCU movies. Um, yeah, but. but- yeah, but usually those are for be, creative differences, though. This is, right, right. I yeah. was getting into that. Yeah. I was getting into that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but it's a different. If it, it's a, wait, okay. So, so what are your thoughts on it before I finish mine? I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm scared now. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. It, 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 it's it's a very you know like you were as you were as you were starting to say and I, I mean I'm sorry I jumped in but for me it between Harvey Weinstein. And then you had the Roseanne Barr incident with her tweets regarding Valerie Jarrett. Then you have James Gunn coming short, shortly after that. And, you know, there's been other people in between that have either been called to the carpet for uh, their social media statements. Um, and, you know, with Roseanne, it was... Uh, you know, I think ABC did what they had to do. I think also a Paramount, I think it wasn't the Paramount Television uh, CEO. I think she was just recently fired due to, you know, again, offensive tweets or, or, or comments uh, at, at the work site. Uh, happened with Star Trek Discovery with their showrunners. I mean, we're in a, you know, it, it seems like every week now we are, since Harvey Weinstein, the, the tide has, has definitely shifted and turned where it's, Hollywood is truly at zero tolerance for anything, whether it's, you know, social media behavior, whether it's obviously if things happen on the work site or in shows and, 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 and rightfully so. So, um, it's been interesting seeing the reaction with James Gunn for me, just seeing how some of the, like Selma Blair, for example, you know, she, has stood up and said, I'm quitting Twitter and, you know, in, in solidarity with James Gunn. And I think, uh, Dave Batista like came out and supported him. I think Zoe Saldana and I think Chris Pratt did, but it was kind of cryptic. 
So I've been seeing more people come out in support of James Gunn, and I then you would say then then some of the other emphasis that have occurred lately, and I don't know if it's one of those things where these these tweets and stuff are I think for most of them are in 2012, and that was if I recall prior to him even getting hired to do the first Guardians, so right. Disney. You kind of got, you kind of, you are, you know what you were getting with, with him. And, you know, he, he's very unapologetic as far as his political tweets, as far as the president and other things. And, you know, and I think part of that also played into this too, where, uh, the people that outed him were, you know, were trying to, you know, get back at him for that. So I get what Disney did. You, you, you begin to, you know, it's a very, you know, it's a new environment out there. I mean, you saw with Ryan Johnson, you know, his old tweets that could have gotten him in trouble. I saw where the Nightwing director deleted his account. So it's one of those things these days where I think with, with the atmosphere that we're in, I'm glad that people like the Harvey Weinsteins of the world are getting held accountable. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, you just wonder what's the shelf life or statute limitations for like, you know, saying something dumb on social media. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, not, but I mean, when you read James Gunn's tweets, I mean, they, they were pretty intense. So I don't know. It's just a very hard case. Huh. Yeah. I, I, hmm. you said a lot there. So, yeah. so you said that you understand why Disney did what they did, yeah. but do you agree with it? At the end of the day, yes, I think I do. They had to do, I think for Disney, what they, they had to protect the brand. Right. And so they had, they, you know, after Disney and Disney associated properties have made it such a hard line, even though, you know, Roseanne and other situations, they had to do it. They had to do it. But otherwise, right. if they didn't, they would have been, they would have looked like hypocrites. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know too much about the story, and so rather than than get into this area of my own ignorance about it, I'm I'm, I'm not. I don't want to travel down that road. But um, I think it's also. I don't know if Hollywood has a no tolerance. I think uh, the more of these cases that come out, the more it does feel like um, some studios are picking and choosing. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that stuff about Chris Hardwick with yeah. came out. Yeah, he's back. AMC removed him. Now he's back suddenly. Yep. yep. After an investigation that is very suspicious. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of, I, I don't know, and I don't know where to draw the line. I mean, Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey, they, they're, they're the cases of the extreme, and I don't know where everyone else falls after them. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting thing that is playing out right now in the media and how these characters, or these, these people and things that they did are coming, being in, Coming to light, and then, then everything that they once—I I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah, no, it's, it's hard. I mean, yeah, I mean, where do you where do you separate? Because you know, we talked about this with even with the Flash this past year with uh, Andrew Kreisberg, how it impacted us. Because I think it was like 
it was in the first half of the season, and I think mm-hmm. it was right around the time when they had the very the the one out episode where Ralph was engaged. In, I think they were at the bachelor party or something for Perry or 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 thereabouts. Yeah, for Iris and the hashtag feminism and you know, how it was put, making it that, and you had Ralph's behavior, and he's you know you're reading about stuff that happened in the production offices at the Flash, and then you watch in the show, and you're like. It's like you got the real world stuff going on. You're trying to enjoy your show, knowing that their executive producer was like, you know, being an ass. <laughs> you kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, we we talked about how it's like, how does that color your, you know, impressions of the show while you're watching it? Um, and like with Guardians, I mean, honestly, you know, I'll I'll still enjoy watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, James Gunn said some stupid things on Twitter and some pretty indefensible things that he he apologized for. Uh, and it does, you know, and I guess the question, like, as you said, I mean, where do you draw the line and, and what's the statute of limitations for, for saying dumb things or doing, you know, not that he ever acted on it. Yeah, yeah, it- and I, I think it's also that I, maybe I also don't view it as a big deal that he got removed from Guardians. It's because I also don't know how much, um, I don't really, I, my take on the MCU is that this is a really, um, Kevin Feige mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Like if, if this stuff were to come, if stuff were to come out about Kevin Feige, whether it's sexual harassment, whether it's tweets that are really offensive, whether it's racist comments, like any of that stuff, and then he was to be removed, I would be like, oh, no, the MCU is going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I still think Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will be fine. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's truly all James Gunn, and sure, he, he contributed a lot to it, but the fact that he's not going to be a part of the third movie, well, you know, that happens. And, yeah, yeah. and I'm sure the story's going to move forward the way it was supposed to, and we're going to get another good installment. And we'll see how much authority, um, authorship he really did have on the previous two to see if it is that different of a movie without him there. Yeah. So, you know, m- maybe that's why I'm kind of like, oh, okay. okay. James Gunn's gone. I don't, not yeah. a big deal for me personally, but. Right, right. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, I think you got to make a very good point there that productions are more than just one individual. And we've seen where people have been removed for various things, creative differences, and for things just turn out just fine, you know. Uh, I mean, like, yeah, look at, look at Rogue One, Star Wars, for example. I mean, they changed directors, and I think for the most part, people, Really enjoy that. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, so yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I think, uh, if it's, if it's a strong enough story, then whoever steps in and takes over can, you know, weather that and, and, and make it successful or, or if it's, you know, if it's trash like Justice League, then, you know, trash in, trash out. <laughs> Justice League. Yeah. Oh, man. Speaking of Star Wars, we got other news that Carrie Fisher will appear in Episode 9. What is your take on that, Will? I, well, the way they're doing it, I think is very respectful of 
her memory. So, yeah, so I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. I think it's interesting that they're going to use this footage that I guess wasn't in episode eight. Yeah, Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. I believe okay. so. Yeah. So. So I'll, I'll, I'm I'm curious to see if it's gonna feel like it was belonged in one movie versus the other, and how they're gonna make that work in the editing view, booth. But I'm just ready for episode nine. That's really yeah, where I land. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, talked a little bit about Carrie Russell getting cast, and saw Billy Dee Williams as far as from the original trilogy, and obviously Mark Hamill's back as I guess Force Ghost Luke. Yeah, and, and just looking at the rest of the cast that uh very strong finale hopefully uh hopefully it doesn't end up like a godfather three or <laughs> nothing will end up like a godfather three true true yeah godfather J- three yeah yeah true well yeah jj i think jj will finish strong yep yep um and then last but not least schmoes no, it's Clyder's Inner Geekdom. What am I saying? Schmodown Inner Geekdom Tournament. Thank you very much, Mike Kalinowski. Corruption. I hate this tournament. I don't <laughs> care about this tournament. Make it stop. Yeah. This is the worst tournament they've had. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it, just, it is sad, Will. Like, there, this, this mat, these matches just remind me about how hard movie trivia is. Mm-hmm. Like, Inner Geekdom is tough. Like we were saying, I think a few weeks ago about how sad the Star Wars match was yeah. because that's one franchise. And so to come up with question after question, you really get into the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. And then to have Inner Geekdom and a tournament, like I feel so bad for a lot of these competitors where it's just clear, like they don't know and they're really you you can see the internal rage and defeat occur and just wash over them the moment they start getting into these questions where they're like, oh my god, oh my god. I don't I I told everybody I knew this stuff and that I was a geek and now do I have to give back my geek card just because I'm here and I don't know these weird questions yep. and why do they keep asking them? Yeah, yeah, it, it's I'm telling you, like I said, it's yeah, Kalinowski and the corruption is just. uh yeah, he's, he's yeah, it's corrupted a good a good product and yeah, but you're you're right though. Even even with uh, categories that folks feel strong in, I mean, like this last week's uh, you know, edition with uh, Kalinowski and Donica, it was he, he he admitted he's like I I just was too quick to the draw on some of the things and the energy yeah I, I think it messed up his flow. Yeah, and we also saw that Andrew Guy and Mark Riley will be facing each other in a future singles match um, after a confrontation behind the scenes occurred. And Guy's going to really put it all on the line and say, you know, I defeated everybody in the lines. No. Yeah. No, four horsemen. Sorry. Mm-hmm. I always get their names yeah. all confused. But He's going to put it all on the line and basically be like, okay, I'm going to take out all of the current horsemen. And to do that, he has to beat Mark Riley. Yeah. Do you think he has a chance? Yeah, I think he does. <laughs> Once you defeat Dan Murley, you always have a chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. However, 
luck has to run out. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, he might be, yeah, he, he yeah, it may run out, but, uh, as you right. said, I mean, with this, with the way they've blown up Inner Geekdom, I mean, I think anybody has a fair shot. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that, um, Mark Riley is an interesting player because when he's on his game, he's really on it. He's on Dan Merle's level, Mm -hmm. but when he's off it, he's just, he's not good. And so it'll be really interesting to see if, if Guy prepares as well as he did for his match with Merle and if that pays off and if the wheel spins his way or not. Um, but I'm excited about the match. I think that was like the, a smart move for them to do just story wise mm-hmm. and build up wise. I think that was like a good move. That was that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. All right. So now we finally get to talk Cloak and Dagger episode nine backbreaker. And it was. <sighs> I, you know, I'm, I can't believe they didn't call this. Hero's regression because yeah. that's how the entire episode was structured. I, I think mm-hmm. it was interesting. It I was. wasn't expecting them to use this this English um, discussion as really a backdrop to everything else that was happening in light of events that occurred in episode eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was very tactful how they did that and I think it worked well with the story and made it very clear as to what they were currently doing with all of the characters in this episode totally totally and yeah it was um it it was we've come so far with these characters and then as like you said the way things were structured from episode 8 and thinking that Oh, we're we're going to well with Tyrone, you know, he might have finally got you know received some justice for his brother, even though things at the end there um, didn't you know, end badly for for Detective O'Reilly. Uh, but it was moving forward into this episode where his tie, at least. Everything, you know, they're at the police station talking, and when they leave, you know, he's having sex with his parents, and he's like, what the hell? I, all these things I've been telling you guys for the last eight years, I'm right. And it's the way that his parents just were like, just kind of just checked out. Like, it was, mm-hmm. it, it was, and it, it was, I think it made, the, the, the checking out, I think, was just, I guess, their, their way of, um, a defense mechanism for for not being disappointed yet again, and I, and I think it's you know a conversation that Ty has with his mother at the episode really brings drives that point home that you know where the show uh, really excels is is taking on a serious issue like police brutality, and mm-hmm. they you know it was just a very real conversation <laughs> about look yeah. you are a you know we you know you're a black kid. Where a black family police brutality, you know, happens, you know, you know, it's not just a black only issue, but as, as far as in the, um, societal 
world in New Orleans and other places, a black kid getting killed by a white cop, you know, they're going to, they're going to figure out a way to cover it up. And his parents were like, we don't want to be disappointed again. And so the, I, I like the way they did that because it, again, it just, why I really just enjoyed the show. It just has such gravitas when it comes to these types of issues. And then on Tandy's side, and, and Billy. Oh, wait, I want to, I want to yeah. talk about Tyrone yeah. before yeah. we go into Tandy, but yeah. because I just, I, I love the end scene between yeah. Tyrone and his mom. Yeah. Like, I thought that was brilliant. Mm-hmm. They, they have done such interesting things with Tyrone's parents because she's always in the background yep. and his mom. And mm-hmm. we've had a lot of speculation about her ties with Roxanne. Yep. And she's, you know that there's an isolation there. There's a disconnect there. And what I thought was so fascinating that they brought to the center was that even though Tyrone feels like she turned off her emotions, like in light of her grief, like how she handles her grief is really closing her off from the world. But from her perspective, it's more of that. No, I'm shielding you from the world. I'm like, cloaking you in my yeah. own cloak right now yeah oh yeah that's a good point yeah for survival mm-hmm. like you lose one son and then you risk the other one no nope. nobody like that's not mama bear's instinct at all right she's gonna hold on to the other son for dear life and i think he in turn also makes some really good points about how he's realized that she may feel like if if he ha- may feel like he has to stay in this glass house mm-hmm. and that's the only way for him to be kept safe um or for her not to lose him but by her placing him in that glass house that just that's just as likely to cause him run the opposite direction yeah so so i think it was a very good conversation to have and it gave and, and I like how I, I heard in an interview with the showrunner and he described it as part B of that first conversation you they have way early on in the season where she talks about her fear of losing him. And mm-hmm. this is a more extended version of that. And I thought that was so good. And then to leave it with this realization that he's been set up yeah. and that their their fears literally did come true, true. Yep. in that moment mm-hmm. and and everything's thrown out the out the window because you know Tyrone made his choice last episode he he went after justice and now he may have to pay for some of the consequences yep yeah and yeah i love the way you talk you 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 brought you used the word cloak there because mm-hmm. And so many, you know, metaphorically and, and, and literally, Ty has always, it, there's always been some kind of cloak over him since we first met him. It was the, the cloak of, of Billy and, and Billy protected him. You know, yeah, whatever, when we first were introduced to, to Ty that night, uh, that Billy was killed. And then, as you said, the, 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 the cloak that his, his mother talked about that first, like you said, that first, experience i guess when they had that discussion early i guess episode two or three mm-hmm. uh his coach you know trying to cloak him in protection oh my god that conversation yeah. too yeah the father the angelo i mean that you know 
all throughout the, you know, we've seen both literal, literal and metaphorical cloaks over, over Ty. And also just the cloak of Ty's guilt. Uh-huh. Um, so, and, and throughout the series, he's also working through these things and, and working through the anger and working mm-hmm. through the, you know, I thought it was a very powerful moment between him and, and Father D'Angelo this episode where, there's the whole conversation about the War of 1812, and it's like, where'd it go with this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand this detour. Yeah. <laughs> get back to the action. Let's get back to the action here. But, you know, but when they have that very direct conversation between each other as far as why he, why he finally just beat, put the beat down on his teammate, and look, you're one step away from getting expelled, and then they have this question, this discussion about faith, and you know, not believing in God and, and it, all this other, you know, I don't, it was just a very powerful moment. And then when the Father Delgado, Angelo, like, you know, grabbed him and stuff and, and Ty went into his fears and saw why he is, Father is the way that he, he is and, and seeing that moment was just, it was just so many things going on in that. Moment and and uh, in this episode, seeing Tyrone's journey as he as he's first time we were just as a little kid to like where he is now, and that like you said, he said the the regression that he had as far as going back to that what that regression is, but it, it was a very tangible thing where regressed to that angry kid that we thought we had gotten past. Oh, he he went so much further yeah. because. That that fight in the hallway where yeah. Tyrone just lays out that yeah. kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, he was like haymakers. Like, <laughs> oh my god, like that's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a lot of fighting videos leaked out on the internet, yeah. and that's on par. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> where are the where are the adults in this school? Yeah. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. But yeah, I think you you just brought it up. Like his regression is going back and a more extreme version of this kid who's holding so much inside of him mm-hmm. that he has these outbursts of emotion. And I think it's very interesting that um that moment between him and Father D'Angelo where I there's probably we talk a lot about how Tandy's journey um has a lot to do with drugs and trying to and that world. And I wonder if the writers are trying to pull a thread forward that Father D'Angelo clearly has alcoholism mm-hmm. um, currently and maybe in the past. And he's fearful of what that will do to him and those he loves and self-destruction. Yeah. And so I wonder if they're going to try to pull that thread for, forward in the second season and really show how how um Tyrone's cloaks, um, but more importantly his ability to tap into people's fears, um border has those kind of same I don't know, effects that alcoholism is. Mm, like yeah. similar similar usage, um because that's what they're currently doing with Tandy and how she's able to steal people's hopes. It yeah. gives her an euphor- euphoric effect, which um, is very similar to that when you take drugs. Mm-hmm. And so there's an addiction. There's there's turmoil and somebody trying to numb the pain. And so mm-hmm. it'll be interesting mm-hmm. what this relationship, especially because it's such 
it, it's interesting to me how typically in stories they they find they create these characters like Father D'Angelo as a father figure, right? right. Mm-hmm. Because the guy doesn't, the kid doesn't have a father. Well, Tyrone has a dad. Yeah. So I find I find it to be odd how both Father D'Angelo as well as Detective O'Reilly are being used in this series because Tandy's missing a dad, but Tyrone isn't. And right. and Tandy has mom issues, but Detective O'Reilly's mainly been um, affiliated with Tyrone's story. And so mm-hmm. I, it's kind of like these characters also have their own stories to tell and part of this mythos. So, yeah. so I think it's, even though that was very much a father son moment, like mm-hmm. I'm stepping up to you, dad, I'm the man of the house yeah. moment. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'm still just little kid. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> if you turned on your subtitles, guys, that's what would have played out on scenes, yep. that exact voice. And everything. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was just, it was great. And, you know, another thing that they did in this episode, like to go into Tandy's journey, mm-hmm. I, my jaw dropped when I realized why that church noise was going off. I was like, oh, oh yeah. my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and then, no. <laughs> yeah, and then you're just, you're just realizing it as they are and Tyrone's going there and he opens the door and then he's in the Liam's hope and, and sees Tandy stealing Liam's hope. And, Mm -hmm. and you're just this, I I love the fact that they're on the showrunner explained it in an interview where they're on the same plane Mm -hmm. and sometimes, and they say it early on in the series, Hopes and fears can often be described as the same thing. So if you open the right doors when you're on this plane, you can go from someone's fear into somebody's hope. Mm -hmm. And that's the bridge and how they're able to communicate. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. But what what are your thoughts about this bridge connection that they clearly have, as well as Tandy? She's going after people's hopes for her own self-interest yeah that that was a that was a new manifestation of her power it's been interesting here i think they i think it's been uh, over the last few few episodes they've been exploring that more uh where and it is i don't know you know for a while she had sobered up and hadn't been taking the drugs i mean of course this episode we saw the regression where she she regressed back to doing that you know, she was just a mess, a hot mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I think she probably gets that same euphoric displayed in this episode. Uh, right. That high that she gets from taking drugs, I think she gets that that same kind of euphoric high from from people. You know, you know, basically taking people's hope and 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 using it to get to get off and to get that high. Because uh, she did with uh, with uh, one guy, um, that dealer or what I don't know what his story was, but used his hopes and she got off on right. that. And then of course uh, with with Liam and uh, which again that regression where you know here we are we're thinking that oh I you know because we we had those episodes 
you had ends of episodes and even last episode where it seemed like their relationship was deepening because, you know, they had conversations after, you know, after helping Mr. Hess escape from his catatonic state. And, right. and, and then boom, no, she's like going back to Liam, which we had, we had, we had seen Liam in weeks. We were, we were joking about whatever happened to that dude. <laughs> I forgot about Liam. I thought he was on death row or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to see Liam yeah. again. And she, and she, she uses the rocks on money that she received from uh, Scarborough to, to bail him out. And so we see that regression of the, to the handy that we saw prior to her jumping into the, into the water. Cause that's where, you know, I think that's where she had her moment where she broke free of the, the, her prior demons and started to grow into the Tandy that hero, the hero. But then this week she was just like back to pickpocket Tandy. Yeah. So her regression was just as damaging. Them being on that same plane, that moment in the church where she sees, you know, where Ty shows up whenever she is stealing Liam's hopes. That moment when it, uh, yeah, I heard the music and stuff, I was like, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. And then I see Liam there like, no, but it makes total sense because, again, they have to, before they had the, the repelling when it had the physical touch. This time they had the repelling from each other in, in this new plane mm-hmm. where that hope and fear collided. Where you know Tandy now was fearing, and and Ty, as far as them being the divine pairing, you know they they had their they pushed each other apart, right? Not but usually you know it's been where they touched each other and they like end up getting cast across the room. This time they're on their own they're on that plane, and when they got when they 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 butt heads because you know she's regressed to old Tandy Ty. Has regressed. Oh, you're and, talking about the interaction at the school now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I don't, Tandy doesn't know anything about the divine pairing and right. neither does Ty. Right, right. <laughs> right, but they he doesn't did, realize that he doesn't his, realize his that, girlfriend went home that night and made a candle wax voodoo doll of Tandy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But, <laughs> but yeah, but they had the moment where they're there at school and the arguments that they had weeks ago about the privilege and, you know, echoed again because Tandy like threw that up again. It's like, look, you know, you're in your prep school, you got home, you got this. And, um, you know, so again, it was just, just when we thought that they had progressed in their relationship, we also saw a regression there too. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. that's Tandy's MO. She, yeah. she abandoned Liam in the first episode of the yeah. season. Yeah. She's, She's used to that because she's used to being abandoned by men in her life as well. And I think this just escalated, unfortunately for Tandy or fortunately for us. Um, Tyrone ain't going anywhere, babe. So good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, as you were talking, I I really thought a lot about Tandy's seek that, that um, hope sequence with Mm -hmm. Liam and how it, they really, um, because of Catholicism, they really um, showed the part of the the marriage, call it ceremony. ceremony thank you. Yeah. Words are lost to me right now. Um, where where they take that offering. Mm-hmm. So a while back, when Tyrone and Tandy were in each other's minds, Tyrone was witnessing the fears of Tandy, and 
And she was a little girl dressed up as a Purice giving the offering to all of these men in her life. Right. That is poison. Yep. So, and, and I feel like it's just what, what Tandy was doing a lot and all of her outrage and all of this, her own anger was kind of fulfilling the self, the self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, She's been told from a lot of people who knew her dad that she's her father's, she's her um, father's daughter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And and she she liked that because she thought he was the better of her version of her parents. She yeah. this was the guy who looked after them, and then there was this realization that man is monster, and so am I. And suddenly she. She really hones in on all of her negative qualities and just magnifies them and be like, you know what? This is who I am. I'm fully going to embrace it because, you know, this is who my dad was. And, and I think that's why she went after, um, Mina and yeah. her dad and which was so heartbreaking too. And I, and I'm really curious. You know me. I love yeah. my. My Hess are going to be villains in the future theory. <laughs> I, I'm curious if when when Tandy stole Mina's Mina's hope like that, if she suddenly turned her into a villain because she kills that damn bumblebee at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's possible. It's, it's possible. I mean, we this is. We this is the first time we've seen them do this, and we don't know the ramifications or the effects. And I mean, Liam stole all of Tandy's money at the end of it, so yeah. she's broke again. She's broke, yeah, she's broke. She's desperate. She's angry. She's thinks she's a monster. So yeah, um, it's possible. And 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 now Roxon is after her because she's stupid. <laughs> I was wondering how. They're going to carry forward Mina's off job offer for Tandy. If that's something that's going to, will she eventually accept it or or not? And and also, you know, we getting back to Ty for a moment. His mother. I'm wondering what her role in Roxanne is, and I'm wondering if because she it seems like she's some kind of PR or public relations kind of. Um, person I think for for the company and I wonder as far as the next conflict point for Ty and Tandy is maybe his mother Ty's mother playing a role in making Nathan Bowen the fall guy for uh what happened on the on the rig as a as a possible conflict as a possible conflict point between Ty and, and, and Tandy as we as we move forward scandal yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind. That's actually a possibility I hadn't thought about, but could very well come to light, like in season two or even next episode. As kind of like a cliffhanger mm-hmm. realization. And you're just like, I want to know what happens then because that, that's gonna, that's gonna get complicated. Mm-hmm. But I can totally see. Tandy and Nina accepting that job offer at the end of season one. And then she's like the inside man right. during season two. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I like the fact that I don't think Roxanne is going anywhere. No, um, no, we they, saw with the, 
with Mina and seeing the valve erupting and the and the horrors showing up again with those two uh the uh middle management guy and the uh the worker there. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, more of that to come. More of that to come. You know, somebody who we did not talk about who had also a very heartbreaking breaking story this episode and got her butt kicked very violently. There was a lot of fighting in this episode. There was. There was. A lot of violence. Couldn't handle it. Um, But, man, Detective O'Reilly. Yeah. 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 So, quick quick question. Did you you recognize the murder weapon? Let's see. Oh, yeah, the club. It was... um... Oh gosh, I remember the club. I just can't, I can't remember the details about that. Well, it, they did a transition effect that made you think it was a club, but it actually is a pipe that from the previous episode where, or a few episodes ago where they, they have that big confrontation. And Tyrone ends up running away from Detective Connors and he runs after him. He, jumps over a piece of railing mm-hmm. that Detective O'Connor's knows his fingerprints is on. Oh, good spot. So they, yeah, yeah, that's, talk about a villain. Oh, yes, good spotting, Sarah, good spotting. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much. I may have held help with that one, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. But I was, I was right there with you, right? I thought it was kind of, um, I thought it had to do with something, maybe a future villain or future mm-hmm. character in the show. But that's really why they ended up at Tyrone's place at the end of the episode was that that um, colonel that was brought brought over that murder yeah. weapon. Yeah, that's a that's a good least that's a good catch there. Um, yeah, I was wondering, yeah, how to connect the dots between Ty and. Fuchs as far as the murder and uh, yeah that makes total sense makes total sense yeah 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 and you know also shame on us for thinking that Detective Connors is stupid and isn't gonna be able to weasel his way out oh I figured you know? yeah I, I I figured he was gonna figure out a way out of that I mean it, it was when it, when he was arrested I I, you know, I didn't know how he was gonna get out of it but he he's this man's been like covering his tracks for years for so many illegal activities. So and he's like, eh, I'll see ya. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, but I, I did feel for, for Detective O'Reilly though. I mean, she, she was just gut punched in so many ways. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, losing, because she finally like, Emotionally was ready to proceed in a relationship and she can't. And then, yeah, O'Connor, Connor's just, just whooping her ass all over the bar, which was just like, you know. In public. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why nobody stopped that. That really Because they're all in cahoots. And and it goes back to what Ty's mother was trying to tell him. Right. They're all dirty. Yeah, it's just, well, like, there were no other patrons in there. <laughs> they're all dirty. It was a cop bar, and they're all, yeah, I mean, they all were, like, they're just dirty SOBs. Oh, man. 
Oh, then, Detective O'Reilly, that's all on you. You shouldn't have been there. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something. I don't know. It's just, I was looking around and I'm like, hey, there's got to be some civilians. This is very uncomfortable. I don't, like, oh, that, that always bothers me, like, when when men aggressively yeah. hit women like that on screen, it always makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like my stomach. I'm like, Oh, I don't like this. I don't like this. No, I don't it, like it, it was this. not, it was not comfortable to watch at all. You're right. It, it, oh. it wasn't. And, um, yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, one other thing we, we have, we've got to talk about before we, before we wrap our discussion up with this is, uh, Auntie Chantil. Walking around town barefoot. Yeah. Yeah. With her vodka, spitting it everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Spitting everywhere. But using her voodoo powers. I love Auntie Chantel. Yeah. I think she's great. I like her because she's, she's grounded in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, she's, she's, she has a presence where I'm, I'm totally buying into where she comes from, what she says, and what her beliefs are. Yeah. Um, but there's also this this element of mysticism about her that I think she adds great um, a great aspect to the show, yeah. and I like everything that's going on with her and Evita. And Evita was able to defend herself against Tandy yeah. in the dreamscape, yep. which could have something to do with voodoo, for all we know. Um, but I think. I, you know, as Chantel said it best, you know, we, we have to fear the things that we create ourselves mm-hmm. in this world and mm-hmm. that's going to be our own downfall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The truism, but she's all, this episode really showed that point, I think, clearly for, for our two heroes. How so? Well, because they, they, through the regression. I mean, if they followed, they could choose to go a different path, but they have chosen to regress back to, back to the old norm. Hmm. I wasn't thinking about that, but I see your point. I, I was mainly thinking about Roxanne and yeah. this idea that we're going to find a new energy source and, oh wait, that energy source is toxic and makes us all crazy. Well, there's well, that too. There is that too. <laughs> <laughs> Environmental contamination. Yeah. That too. That too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the cities, they're, you know, they're the next big disaster. And they broke this Katrina, this obviously with New Orleans and, and, and the, the rock sun and I guess the other oil spills. And so there's just so many layers to the show. And I think that's what's so enjoyable about it. I, I, I agree with that 100%. And, Whoa. Yeah, I mean, well, hopefully it's, they can deliver on the finale. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to. I think next week we're going to be like, damn it, can spring 2019 get here fast enough? <laughs> yeah, and I'm and I'm glad I heard that it was only going to be another ten episodes. Yeah, yeah. Like I think ten episodes is great. It so is. far, it, it's tight, it's cohesive, mm-hmm. it doesn't give a lot of room to have like play around and mess around. It's, nope. Very nice run. Yeah. Um. So so I'm glad that not only they got it, but they're sticking to the show that they've created, and mm-hmm. hopefully, um, season two, the heroes will be will be heroes, and we'll see what that means. Yeah. 
We shall. All right. So I guess that's it for tonight. Uh, Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. And you can find me at SJ Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>